This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everybody Loves the Drake podcast. You don't like the Drake? I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 110. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin, whom is celebrating 80 years this year. We're part of the Batman Universe Podcasting Network. We're also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So between the two universes, you have a whole universe of Batman content to enjoy. You can get a hold of us on all the social media outlets. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We have an Instagram page, and I always make fun of this. If you want to send an email old school, you can do so at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Like I said, I'm your host, Rob Myers, and I've got two friends from two different podcasts that I both happen to be running and hosting with almost essentially the same name. So we've got Terrence from this show. How are you doing today, Terrence? Doing great, Rob. Uh, so from our sister show, we've got Jay Yaws from, from I about said Robin from Everyone Loves <laughs> Young Justice podcast. I knew these two names were too close. So Jay, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good, Rob. Thanks. <laughs> so for this episode, we uh, have a very special guest on the show that previously on our last episode on 109, we did the Robin 80th anniversary special, and surprisingly, there were a few names that were not on the book. So our special guest today for the show is a gentleman who was born in Alberta, Canada, and has been drawing since early childhood. He has taken a one-year animation program in North Vancouver that involved a 13-hour days and nights. They spent time drawing and honing in his portfolio to prepare him for his future career. 
After studying computer science, he decided to take the plunge and work with family and friends at a photography studio in Los Angeles while trying to break into the comics industry. After receiving some great feedback at Wizard World Convention, he revamped his portfolio for San Diego Comic-Con, meeting the Aspen Comics crew, and going to work with them on such projects as Fathom and Soulfire. In 2009, he made a move to Toronto, where he started to work with DC in 2010. He joined the Royal Academy Industry and Design in downtown Toronto. His two years on Red Robin were a dream come true as the fan of the Bat series, and it was a chance to work on characters that were close to his heart. He's worked with Aspen Comics, Boom Studios, IDW, Marvel Comics, and of course, DC on such books as Huntress, Flash, Batwing, Superboy, Nightwing, Rebirth Era, to name a few. So let's not forget the fantastic Red Robin pre-New 52 series. It's my pleasure to welcome Marcus Toe to the show. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, fantastic. Thank you for having me. It's been a... Uh, a pleasure reading your work over the years, and I think what kind of led us to get to this point as the anniversary issue for uh, Robin came out, as we were kind of wondering in a few months who might be on it, who might be this or that. Uh, surprisingly, there was a few people were, were left off of this, so I, which I think kind of came a shock to some people was not wanting to you know maybe stir something that's maybe a little a little raw still was just. Was this an oversight, or was it just something that just kind of fell through the ether and well, well, you know, was what you it know was. what I, I, I've I've looked at my, uh, I think about this a lot. Uh, I think also uh, how you know me and Fabian were always kind of upset that Red Robin ended in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember talking to him, you know, when it happened. Uh, all those years ago that uh, we were both pretty upset about it in general um so but with the robin 80th anniversary one thing that a friend reminded me was that uh our entire editorial team that worked on red robin is not there anymore <laughs> so you yeah. kind of you kind of remember remind yourself that uh comics do move on and uh mm-hmm. and as much as I, you know, love Tim Drake as a character, and I loved my time on it, uh, there are new people there, and uh, you know, for whatever reason, either maybe they don't remember you, or they uh, they wanted someone different, or you know, there was there's only so many uh, creators you can put on one book. So I have to remind myself too that you know, some people, have, you know, eventually get you know put aside for others. And, uh, right. and you know, that's, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, like, woe is me, but you know, sometimes that's, that's, that <laughs> right. is what it is. Right. And you yeah. just kind of yeah. have to yeah. go with it. Uh, well, how did you, uh, get your start in comics? Like I always, one of the questions I like to ask is like, what, what was your earliest memory of, of drawing and, you know, what type of things did you draw and what, where did you like officially start getting your your feet on the ground in this business. Well, um, yeah, it was it was interesting because um, you know I, I uh, drew you know since early childhood, and I even had my own comics uh, that I created in in high school up until college. Uh, and when after schooling didn't really work out for me for different reasons, probably my own fault really. Uh, that I kind of made a decision, you know, like. What is it that 
I excuse me after after everything's said and done, what would I want out of my life, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that comics is the thing that I've always done and wanted to create. So why don't I basically double down on it and, and just put my whole effort into it? I was, uh, I think I was about eighteen, nineteen when I decided to really just you know start hitting up conventions um, and then start really building a portfolio. And uh, that you know that brought me to LA and that brought me to uh, Aspen Comics and and um, that San Diego that year I think it was two thousand and three um, was one of those kind of situations where I you know paid my own way to go there I paid for my hotel and I paid <laughs> that was when that was back in the day when you can still get a uh, Friday pass uh, at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you could just what is what is, what is this crazy world you? I live know, in? <laughs> right? So on, I at the at the time, I I only had one day off of the, for that time of off work. So or well, basically, I had to go back on a Friday. But so Thursday was the only day I had in, in uh, at San Diego, and I uh, didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I, I hit up a couple other smaller shows to kind of help. You know, push my portfolio a little bit better, but you know, San Diego—it's its own thing. You don't—if you've yeah. never been, you don't know what you're expecting. So on the Thursday, you know, I went over there and I—I uh, I attended uh, the Marvel's um, "How to Get in Comics the Marvel Way," and you know, CB Sabolsky gave a lot of great advice and told said that you know, like, um, you know, there's portfolio drop-offs uh, at at the booth. And then, so I dropped off my portfolio to both DC and Marvel, and both of them were like, "Come back tomorrow to see if your, you know, your name will be written on the board." But I didn't have a hotel room, and I was supposed to go back to work on Friday, and I was working in LA at the time, and uh, I had nowhere to go. So I was just sitting there thinking <laughs> on the floor of San Diego. I wasn't caring about anything, but then getting into the comics industry i didn't even look around that day i didn't look i didn't look the floor i didn't look at anything i just hit up those the those few companies and then um dropped off my portfolio trying to think whether or not i should come back tomorrow because what's the chances right what are the chances (laughs) that you come back tomorrow so i i was like you know what i after about an hour of thinking about this i have to take the chance so i spent the rest of the day driving around san diego trying to find a hotel room so I had to find. I found a hotel room outside of San Diego in a little in a city called National City, and uh, it's just like this dumpy motel room. And then I couldn't sleep. I was just so nervous. I could not sleep the entire night. So I got back the next day on a Friday, and uh, you know, funny enough, well, DC didn't put my name up. It was Marvel that had my name uh, that they wanted to see me for an interview. And I stood there staring at my name, thinking to myself, what's the possibility that there's two Marcus Toes applying <laughs> for this job? So I said, right. right. And, and that's where I met C.B. Sobolski for the first time. And at that point, he wasn't even talent scout yet. You know, he was just, mm-hmm. not just, but, you know, he was still early in his career at Marvel. And he was, um, uh, you know, like an assistant editor. And uh, so he gave me a lot of great advice, came back, and... Um, uh, but that kind of what led what led me to Aspen, 
because on the on the Friday uh, I had decided to go and try for another portfolio review from them, and basically that was when I met Christina Strain and she brought me in, and so a lot of people know Christina Strain from her uh, coloring days of um, on Runaways and a lot of X Men mm. books, as well as Aspen yeah. books, and now she. I think she was part of the writing team for the Magicians TV show. And uh, okay. so, yeah, she brought me in. And, and from then on, uh, Aspen kind of brought me and took me and gave me a shot, you know, to, to start honing my skills as a, as a comic book artist. And kind of from there, that's how I got my start in comics. Yeah. Uh, real quick before you go, Jay, I, what would you draw for a portfolio going to... Uh, Marvel, DC, and Aspen, would you draw company-specific characters or just your own creations? Well, for me, what I did was I did a little bit of everything, right? I, I did. I had a Spider-Man story and uh, a Superman story and just all made up myself. Like, I had I think three or four pages of a story, so basically I would start off with, you know, Mary Jane and Peter having lunch outside in downtown New York and, uh, you know, in the distance, you see cops go by, and then Mary Jane kind of, you know, gives Peter a nod, and Peter runs off, and then Mary Jane's left alone to eat her lunch. And then the next mm-hmm. shot is the Doctor Octopus robbing a bank, and then Spider-Man comes and thwarts him, and then that's it. And same thing with Superman, where Superman, you know, very very basic, easy storytelling techniques, but it kind of shows a variety of things from the slow scenes from the beginning of an intro of the character and very apt to uh very apt to those two characters uh personalities and relationships and then an action scene of them fighting the bad guy and then the resolution right and then i threw in um a zombie short comic that i did and then a uh a romance short comic that i did about a breakup i had around the same time and also a Ninja Turtles one as well. So I had a little bit oh, cool. of everything. Just to kind of show I could do the characters that you want, but I can also do characters and and use storytelling to tell a different story that is not, you know, capes and, and heroes. Yeah, hey, uh, Marcus, uh, Jay here. Uh, Rob actually anticipated my question. I was going to ask what you submitted. <laughs> as, uh, it's okay, but uh, I, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. You were talking about uh, comics that you created in high school. That was one of the things I was going to ask, yeah. is if you ever published those or shared those around, if you submitted those with your portfolio. And uh, you mentioned that you would draw scenes of like, uh, you know, Peter and Mary Jane, uh, you know, having lunch in the park or whatever. Isn't that more what they want to see out of artists. They don't necessarily want to see that you can just draw battle scenes, but you can also draw the more intimate character moments. That'll uh, that'll get uh, the attention of uh, like the editors more than just like flash and bang. That's what I've heard before. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, well, to go to your first question, so uh, with the comics in high school, I didn't... I didn't add those to my portfolio because at that time that was already a couple years old. And uh, our, whenever you're making a portfolio, uh, the, I think the most important part is to just draw or create um, portfolio pieces. You know, I I would say I always tell people just try to do as many as you can, but try to at least have one new piece every single time you uh, see get a review again. Um, 
I, I find that people like to see how you progress. Uh, they like to see that you have new stuff all the time because that shows kind of drive. Um, but w- the funny story was... Uh, the So I created a comic book and I drew three issues of it um, in high school. And it that ended up being the... the the seed of an idea that me uh, I, that I ended up working with Boom and Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly that I worked with on Hacktivist to create Joyride, uh, which was a creator owned that we we did a few years back. And um, but so you know the, we took kind of the the heart of that story and then revamped it to make it you know readable because i mean honestly the, the <laughs> i look at the comic book back uh when i did it in high school and you know it's it's typical stuff in, in in when you're when you're just learning you know everything looks like somebody else so a lot of it mm. was stolen from like joe Madureira style and you know like different <laughs> things like that very star wars um heavy uh all those kind of things, but that's okay because you know, like I really f- believe that you know, it's never a bad idea to put an idea on paper, because um, you can learn a lot from it. And uh, but uh, from that, uh, for portfolio pieces, when it comes to slow scenes, I think that whenever people look at a portfolio, it's really everything, right? Because storytelling is is the key to to it all if you if you can't tell a story uh with your art you really shouldn't be in comics in my opinion right i mean i mean that might sound harsh but really that's your job right your job is to tell a story with um so you're working with the writer to tell and the letterer and the colorist and everybody to tell a sequential story so it is very important and and it's like a it's like a mix right so they want to see that you can do that but also tell it in a in an exciting way without um, you know, like it's it's easy. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's it it seems a lot simpler to make a page look exciting with you know a lot of action scenes. You know, it, it but you can really make a scene pop, a slow scene pop with good storytelling. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I think it's really about that. And uh, uh, for some people that maybe don't understand it saying using the terms like you know we'd rather see you 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 know show us good talking scenes than than um fighting scenes is is kind of an easy way to to just to kind of push the idea that you need to work on this part let's let's ignore the you know the superheroes for now and then you focus on this but in any portfolio you should have a good variety but a variety but based around the job so uh, with my portfolio, I never, I didn't put any pinups because my my job wasn't a, co- a cover artist. My job was that I wanted was a comic book artist. So I mm-hmm. just had you know different stories and everything, but everything revolved around the story, right? <laughs> so that's yeah, how I, I molded my portfolio for that. Cool. Hey, Marcus, this is Terrence. Thanks so much for coming on and, and talking with us i had a a kind of a different question for you because i was looking in um your biography it said you were born in uh red deer alberta which was halfway between calgary and edmonton so did you grow up a flames fan or an oilers fan (laughs) 
So <laughs> you, uh, I'm I'm kind of a contrarian. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan. Oh, but, okay. But uh, I in in Red Deer, uh, I, I actually went to a French Catholic school. So I had friends that were Canadians fans, Nordiques fans, Calgary fans, Edmonton fans, uh, Leafs fans. It was all over the place. So we all hated each other anyway. So what what was the difference? <laughs> <laughs> were there any other uh, Canucks fans there or were you the only one? <laughs> I think I was the only one. But so I've always really, yeah. truly believed that, like, you know, around the times between you when you were 10 to 13 are really pivotal moments for, and I can't speak for women, but for boys, I feel like those are the times. So all those few years of what you liked, I feel like really colored you who you are now. So in mm-hmm. when I, between 93 to 96, uh, so I was a big Kings fan because Gretzky was. You know, Gretzky was Gretzky, and, and when he was mm-hmm. in the in the finals that year in '93, I was like really into the Kings. And then the next year, Vancouver like came out of the water, and Pavel Bure was just you know electrifying, and that kind of transitioned me to being a Canucks fan because you know Gretzky was already kind of older at that point, and then you saw the young guns coming in, and and as you know, like an 11, 12 year old, you. Those are really pivotal moments of you, and and I felt like the same way because that was the same time when I was introduced to you know the X Men and, and Spider Man and and the Ninja Turtles and stuff like that, and those really made me um, fan of comics as well as hockey. Yeah, stuff like that just gets in your your DNA, and yeah. you know being forty boba something. <laughs> now you like look at all the action figures. In comic art on the wall and stuff like that, and, and my wife's like, "Why? Why does something like that still permeate with you?" It's like it's that it's that tangible piece of your childhood, which, like you were saying, not sure about you know girls. I don't think my wife really had those type of things. She had things that she liked, but for boys, we want to take it and own it. Mm-hmm. And that that's the thing that we that we live and breathe, and you can see that in in artwork from somebody from you being a creator. You can see that stuff getting poured into your your artwork. Yeah, for sure. What were the events that led you to to DC going being at, at Aspen like where where does the ball start rolling that uh, is Red Robin if I've read this correctly was that your first DC work that you you land the Red Robin yep. title or did you have uh, something like an interim in between Well uh basically what happened was and so and this goes with kind of how I've always taken my career because I I'm very passionate about comics and the industry and making it a career and I take it very very seriously even from the beginning so um, pretty much right from the beginning uh, I when, when you started going to conventions I took that as an opportunity to meet as many people as I could and this didn't always necessarily mean my heroes this meant anybody you know editors and inkers and writers I just wanted to kind of know people and get more information as much as possible because I wanted this to be forever you know i wanted Mm -hmm. to know more and um to be that sponge to learn from people that have done other things so uh the i think it was the san diego following and i've been with aspen for almost a year or about six months uh to a year at that point um i went around um with uh, Christina Strange, she in she took me to you know the Hyde bar you know those those kind of events that um 
as a 20-year-old, you know, with a bunch of industry vets, you're just, you're like, please just take me because I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do and I don't know anybody. So she was really kind and really took me under her wing. And we just, you know, walked around the bar and, you know, um, talked to people and um, introduced uh, me to people. And uh, I, that's where I met uh, a man by the name of Mike Martz. And at the time, he was the editor for the X-Men. And um, for the most part, I just kind of said to him, you know, uh, you know, I introduced myself, told him what I do. And I just said, you know, I'm not really looking for any work, but I'm always just kind of, I just want to meet people. And he said, yeah, sure, you know, come by. I, I would be interested to see your work. So uh, I came by the, went by the Marvel booth and he, um, you know, took a look at my stuff and liked what he saw, but he was like, ah, you know, work on this, work on this. And I said, but yeah, totally. And, uh, he's like, here's my card and, um, you know, keep in touch. So, uh, you know, through the years, I kind of just sent him a few emails here and there with new stuff. Like here's like, you know, four or five pages every three months or six months or whatever, and that ended up happening for like three years, right? And um, around this time, uh, Aspen was going through some hard times, and um, Mike Turner had passed away, and you know the company was really up in the air. So uh, I had no work at that time, and I reached out to Mike. And at at this point, he had moved to DC at the Bat Office, and because I've kept in contact with him, he was like, you know, he already knew what I was about, and he already knew that. You know, I've had books under, uh, you know, under my name, and um, so he said, um, "What I can give you is just like a short story, like a four-page short story for this Batman annual called the Batman Eighty-Page Giant." Mm. And uh, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, I, I'd be happy to do it." And he said, "You know, there's no real deadline on it. We got like two months to press, so you could just, you know, four pages, just do it." And send it along and I said to him I said that's cool but I can honestly it's not going to take me that long I can get it to you next week he said okay no no rush so I got it done and I got it to him next week and he was really impressed by kind of how well I was able to to you know complete the task and uh from there he just kind of said um you know we we were looking to to we're looking for a new artist for a book called Red Robin, uh, you know, and I was impressed by your ability to stick on a tight deadline. Do you think you'd want to do it? And I could not believe seeing that, e <laughs> reading that email because like I, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have a lot of money growing up, but you know, some of the books that I did pick up obviously were, you know, Tim Drake era Robin series is in the nineties. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, guys, and and you know young justice was big as well you know um and uh i i w i jumped i couldn't fuck i, I sorry i i couldn't type that email fast enough to say yes and so <laughs> from that point he just said he he just said you know like we're we're waiting on stuff he didn't tell me what happened he just said you know we'll get you a script next week start working on some covers we'll get back to you and uh from that point it just it just kept going, right? Like Red Robin just kept going, and I was incredibly happy. I, I could not believe how lucky I was to, to to land something like this with a character that I've 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 loved for a long time as my first project. And uh, like that's 
that was just a dream come true. So uh, that's basically how that kind of started. Marcus, I don't know if you remember, and if you don't, that's completely understandable. We've actually spoken before a couple of years ago. I interviewed you and Tim Seeley right before the Return to Bloodhaven arc for uh, oh, Nightwing yeah. Yeah. for uh, BatmanNews.com. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, A, I just wanted to put that out there that it's like, hey, We've talked together before, <laughs> but also, you know, you, I mean, obviously you did Nightwing for, uh, for a time you've done Red Robin, yeah. Batwing, you've handled a lot of, you know, Bat family characters yeah, for sure. over the years and everything. Is there another, you know, Batman title or even another like DC title that, you know, if somebody said, draw whatever book that you want, that you've been dying to draw like ever since you were a kid? Oh man, there's so many though, right? Because <laughs> you know what's funny? Because I, I, as much as I'd love to try my hand at Batman, I, I probably would set that aside for now. I mean, there's, there's, you can go down the list like Teen Titans. I would jump at. I, I, in fact, I was, I was pretty close to maybe being able to do some Teen Titans stuff, and I was really close to being able to draw for New Fifty Two Superboy as well. And mm-hmm. but that fell through. And another thing was um, Booster Gold. I'm a big fan of, so I'd love to draw Booster Gold. Oh, oh. oh man, you'd be great on that one. <laughs> but re- more most recently, because of a lot of the coronavirus situation, I actually thought about you know like a Superman story mm-hmm. because this is uniquely one of those things that I feel like Superman is. A, a story like this, not necessarily a virus, but the idea that Superman, who can do anything, there are some things he just cannot do, and he still has to be the hero. Like, those kind of stories really resonate, you know, where uh, it, it, a situation arises where all the things that you're good at, you mean nothing. <laughs> you can't save anybody... <laughs> even though you're capable of all these great things. And what would that mean to Superman if something like this were to happen and he is powerless, even with all the power? But even still, you know, Superman would still be the inspiration he needs to be. So, I mean, that would definitely be a great theme that everybody needs to hear right now. So uh, I I like that. I've been into Superman a lot more lately than I've ever been uh, up uh, up until a couple years ago. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally there with you. I'd I'd love to see something like that. Well, yeah, like you said, especially now, like it's, I think those stories really resonate with people because of that. Absolutely. Marcus, I had a question for you because it's kind of tying into where you were left off kind of in your career because my, first introduction to your art was in the cover of red robin number six and um i kind of i kind of got a little angry with you at it but this is my problem <laughs> not yours <laughs> because it's I, I i first looked at it i'm like this is this is an amazing cover you know tim looks great on it he's standing on this cool gargoyle the buildings and in the background look awesome and then I noticed your signature, and your last name is is my initials. My initials are T O, and I used okay. to sign stuff um, 
with like a little like a T and an O kind of together. And mine was a little bit different. But then I looked at him like, oh, man, that's that's my symbol. He stole my symbol here. So I, I don't think you really stole my symbol. But uh, I was I was taken back a little bit. And I, I was just kind of curious, uh, where, where did you come up with that? And, and uh, how did you start using that, that T and the O interlocking like that? Well, it's well here's cool. the, the funny, funny thing about that and, and someone stealing your symbol was that um, in high school I came up with an M and a T, right? Where the T over, over top the M. Um, but when there's two, two people that kind of did the same thing where um, uh, – do you remember Tracy McGrady, uh, a former basketball player? Yeah, he oh, sure, ended yeah, yeah. up taking one where it had a, exactly the same T with an M, like kind of inside, almost like a box. Which is like, oh my god, that's exactly what I designed. And then the opposite way of it was Tiger Woods, where but it's the, the W on the bottom instead of because it's oh, basically yeah, yeah, the yeah. same except for flipped around. I was like, oh my god, I can't use that anymore. <laughs> I can't use it at all. So I, I decided instead to use the T with the O inside because I don't know. I was just a punk ass kid, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to like, you know, be the be like Prince or something like that. <laughs> Artist so, so all known. these years, I've been mad at you. <laughs> Yeah, all these years I've been mad at you. I should have been really mad at Tracy McGrady. Now, now, yeah. now, now I'm going to take off and put on my enemy list. Yes, yeah. And, and your name's not long enough to pull like a Walt Simonson or oh, a Ryan Stegman and make it into a dinosaur. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what the both of them do. Oh man, there's some great signatures out there though. Do they sign books like that too? I mean, I feel like that takes a long time. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There's there's some I know. Um, I got to meet Jim Lee last year, and his signature that you would see like in the comics differs, you know, greatly from you know probably when he's signing, you know, oh, yeah. nine nine thousand copies or whatever. I get it, but I think most people like uh, I ran across Eddie Barrows last year, and his signature pretty much looks looks fairly the same and i've uh, don't have anything signed by you but other things that you know pop up elsewhere i see you know your signature and like oh that looks like the same that that it is on the book so i think that's that's pretty cool to to see that replicated that it's just not something that's that's stamped and done when you yeah. you know meet somebody it's it, it doesn't represent where it looks like a doctor. Like I don't even know what 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 this is. You know. Yeah, that's my signature. My, <laughs> yeah, that's my that's J my and a scribble and Y and a scribble. I only put the <laughs> I only put the TO thing on covers though, just because I feel like it's just a little symbol. Like I don't like my name yeah. plastered on everything as much as my ego likes to think so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the TO thing, I just kind of put on covers. So when I sign books, it's just my regular signature, really. I'll gotcha. Oh, gotcha. I don't know if you noticed my my issue of Red Robin number nine that I had here too has a different artist on the the cover of it has says Ramon Box but then it's got the T O on the front and inside it says Marcus Tau Penciler so <laughs> I don't know if that had to do with not wanting your name on things or not but that's kind of funny no. that the issue we pulled <laughs> well, has the wrong name on the it. The funny story about my life my my life at DC was that this is not the first time they accidentally messed up my name or oh. Like uh, uh, if you look at some other issues, some of them say Marcos Toe, 
And some of them say Marcos toe on the cover, and then Marcus toe on the inside, and I, I, uh, I don't know, man. Is it one yeah. of those that you just got to go, all right, that, that's still my pencils, that's still that's still me, but then your friends look at you and go, nah, that's not <laughs> you, man. It says right here in the book. Well, you know, I, I mean, I understand, it, you know, comic books is a funny uh, industry where sometimes, you know, different uh, parts of it don't talk to each other. So post-production maybe got a file from somebody that misspelt it and then put it on mm-hmm. and... Uh, whatever, whatever the case might be. So, you know, I can't. I, do I, I don't feel too bad. Our local new newspaper, when they type in water, it's W A D D E R. So I'm like, if, if our local newspaper can't spell water, sure. then yeah. you know, it, it, at least you're you're in something that you know is a lot more popular than our <laughs> Finley Courier <laughs> right at the right at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this stuff happens, so. I mean, you got to yeah. take it with a with a, a relative levity about it. Well, Terrence had brought up Red Robin number 6 and a, one of the things I'd asked you if there were some things that uh, you know, some work that you had done on the the Red Robin title that you really liked and these were two books being 6 and 9. Mm-hmm that uh, we had pulled to kind of uh, talk about. So not that, you know, we can go through all, you know, 22 pages or whatever, mm-hmm. but at least as far as the cover for six, I mean, Jay and uh, Terrence have both said it too, that's just this great shot of Tim Drake, Red Robin on top of the gargoyle. Was this one of those things when they said, you know, just go ahead and start doing some covers? Was this one of the things that you had done or did you, when you're doing covers, is it more, led to you or do you get something from Chris that says, okay, give me X, Y, Z, and then however you've come up with it. Where, How did you start to create this cover for Six? Well, this was an interesting one, probably the most interesting, because I, I had not done a lot of covers, and this was my first time, and, you know, like, I was so nervous, so I did, like, 20 layouts, 20, like, just a ton of different layouts. And uh, I was like, hey, editor, <laughs> Here's 20 layouts, and he's just like, uh, okay, let me look through these. And he got back to me, and we kind of like started narrowing narrowing it down, and we wound up with this one. So, but when I when I when I started thinking of doing, the, you know, the covers and any layouts, my inspiration was kind of like, well, you know, the story is about Tim coming into his own, and in some ways, you know. Um, being almost like giving him the Batman moments, right? Having him uh, have those iconic shots like Batman does. Uh, you know, give Tim as many moments in in as a solo, you know, superhero as you can. And um, I tried to give that that kind of feeling with uh, all my layouts on this one, especially the the, the issue six. So. Uh, when we came, when we landed on this one, I really tried to, you know, again, give him his Batman moment in this in this cover. Yeah, totally. And like Rob and you know Terrence said, I mean, it is a great cover. Also, kind of in Tim's evolution as a character shows that he's you know not to speak you know down on him being the boy wonder. I mean, we all love Robin as or Tim Drake as Robin, mm-hmm. but uh, kind of the point of the series was him 
moving away from being directly tied to the Bat family, at least in some ways, because, you know, at least the early part of the series is about him being the only one who believes that Batman, uh, that Bruce Wayne is still alive. And so he's not a pariah in that nobody else likes him necessarily, but in his mission and drive, he, he's coming into his own. So it is, it is, you know, a, a cool representation of the fact that, you know, here here he is as his own man now uh, on his journey. So yeah, I'm just echoing those thoughts there. One th- one thing I had a question about is like this whole the Council of Spiders. Did you design any of those characters yourself, or uh, were they kind of uh, already there for you to work off of when you came on the book after um, after Box left, or did um, was it kind of a mixture of the two? Um. I don't really remember, to be honest with you. I, I, I came up with most of them, at least. I, I know that, um, yeah, for the most part, I, I, I came up with, like, the majority of them, how they wound up in the final page. I know that, um, you know, some of the, some of the other characters at the, in the first issue were, or well, basically all of them, in the first issue were, were somebody else. Uh, was was Ramon Bach, but yeah, I I came up with um I can't, I can't even remember this guy's name, the dude with the Wolverine <laughs> fingers. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna ask that yeah. to him. Pull up a fancy little database, see if they have an answer yeah. for us. <laughs> it's been so long. I can't believe it's been what like ten years since this thing ended, or something like ten, that. Ten, yeah. Wow. You know what? The wh- when I think about back about this too, is um. I think one of the reasons why I I care about this book so much is because in my personal life, this was also around the time where I I had to start making decisions to where I wanted to be and who I wanted to be as an adult. Uh, I started working on this at, I think I was 23, 24. And, you know, I had just chosen to move to Toronto and to to make my own way and, and, and just, you know, I kind of mirrored my life. I felt like, I understood this story a lot more because I was going through similar things as well, uh, you know, and, and I, I really feel like that's why I I look at the series as, as such a pivotal point in my life for many reasons. So, you, so you feel like you, you also grew up with Tim Drake while he was growing up in his own book? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, speaking of going back to what we were talking about with... Um, you know the things that we liked when we were thirteen. You know, there's different points in our lives. You know, when you 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 go through those moments, and you 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 try to find answers, and sometimes you that's when you find stuff in pop culture or in uh, fiction that mirrors what you go through, and you have an attachment to um, characters because of those events in your life. And I feel like. Uh, for Tim, that was for the Red Robin series. That was that for me. At a certain point in issue, I believe it's seventeen of this book. Tim like falls out of a window, yeah. or, or I think that's the one. And then Alfred, Tim makes mention that Alfred or tweaked the costume for him, and now this is his own. Was that something that was planned, or was that little tiny re? tweak and redesign for red robin did that come from you or or somebody higher that was kind of planned i i asked basically i asked mike martz i was like hey what's the possibility because yeah you're right like he had just faced off against uh rachel ghoul and um mm-hmm. 
got kicked out of a window and then um, uh, ends up being saved by Dick. And I thought that this was a nice moment because now, you know, he's back with his friends and he's not alone anymore necessarily. And he's starting to kind of make those motions into him becoming his own character, like uh, having his own headquarters uh, and other things like that, right? And mm. really building up his, his own rogues gallery in his own way. And he, I thought that it would be nice to add some, some Tim Drake into his costume, you know? You would think that mm. he would update it a little bit. Um, so... I came with a few designs, and uh, I was really, really lucky that Mike uh, uh, was totally on board with some of them, and he went with, you know, with the one we we, we wound up with. See, so, uh, so he approved the one that we wound up with, so it worked out pretty well. I, I kind of used a lot of um, uh, slight, you know, um, connections to the rest of the Bat family that was going on at the time, like the type of... Um, gauntlets that uh, Frank mm-hmm. Whiteley drew on um, on Dick's Batman costume and and a couple small things and you know he'd have a utility belt no no questions right and stuff like that mm-hmm. tucking his shirt <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> if anybody's going to be proper it's yeah. it's going to be Tim yeah, Tim would be nice and everything streamlined i think yeah i do like that look of the tunic kind of popping out below the bottom of the the belt and yeah. it's funny too because it kind of i don't remember if damien's costume looked like it at that point yep. but uh that's how damien's suit you know would end up looking too is uh with the red tunic coming below the belt just a just a little bit there yeah one thing and this might i mean this is kind of just a you know a silly question but since we're you know talking to an artist about his process <laughs> i'm just curious about this uh looking at like all the all the pages where uh tim is at those computer banks and everything you know uh, tapping on the holographic displays uh when those are illustrated do you do something like um uh you know when uh uh artists will put like a little x inside of a block to indicate this needs to be inked you know just completely black uh did you draw like the outlines there uh for the 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 boxes that actually weren't supposed to be filled in or was that uh pretty much left up to uh who colored this guy major in his work um, which issue are you talking about? Uh, this, this is issue six. six. Issue six. Mm. Let's look back now. Six shall page. We? Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. I. We. I left it open for sure. I left it open. Uh, I had talked to Mike about it uh, because at the time I wasn't in contact with Guy Major about this. Um. And so I, it's either him or, or post-production, because I know sometimes how post-production does it is that they add a few few things to it. But that's always a... Again, this was the since this was the first you know major book that I worked on, I really didn't know what the process was. If I was to do it today, I would fill it all in myself. You know, because sure, yeah. then you'd get exactly what you you want and and especially now that i work digitally it's a lot easier to do that 
Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, my the abstract question was more, you know, uh, uh, what was the creative, you know, collaborative oh. process like between you and the uh, colorist at that point and everything? But you answered it in a roundabout way, so yeah, thanks. No problem. I wanted to ask you a quick question here about another series you worked on, and that was the the Huntress miniseries for yep. the New Fifty Two, which yep. again, phenomenal art. I love that series, but. Did you know, or at what point did you know that that was Helena Wayne from Earth 2? Because it's never told to us fans reading it, and then when they started the World's Finest series, it was like, oh, by the way, that miniseries? Yeah, that was actually somebody different, and I was wondering if if you knew right from the start, (laughs) or did they make that decision somewhere in the series or after the series had come out? Oh, I knew knew right away, yeah. uh, Okay, so it was known, okay. Yeah, they... um, (laughs) I remember I, I, well, I, I did a bunch of, you know, character studies on her, or at least I tried to, <laughs> uh, on her at the beginning. And because of that, uh, they told me that it was Helen, uh, Helena Wayne. So, yeah, I knew I knew from the beginning. Was that a redesign that you made for her new 52 costume? No, or no. Or was that I, based off of uh, a previous? I don't okay. know who designed it. I, I don't know who designed it. I know Gillum March did the covers, and I I, um, I had to I, I looked at that too. But I, it's funny because I I thought I could have sworn Cully Hamner did it, but he when I talked to him, he was like, "No, I didn't do it." I was like, "What? They they sent me your okay. reference." <laughs> yeah. But I, who knows? Who knows? I, I really don't know. The, to this day, that's a mystery to me. <laughs> Maybe it's Jim Lee because he got, did like pretty much everything else, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very similar to his version on uh, like Hush, but oh, it's yeah. not exactly the same. It, yeah. it seems like her costume. Every time I read it, an issue with her in it, it'd be slightly different in some way or another. It was was never too consistent. <laughs> did you um, have any little like? hints or clues in the art that I missed that it might be Helena Wayne because I I had no clue or or was it was it purposely tried to kind of be a surprise for the fans I you know I don't know I I I feel like I probably thought that I put in some hints but damn damn it I don't know man I I, sometimes you're you're in such a fever (laughs) dream when you're drawing comics (laughs) And you think, yeah, you think you're you're so smart doing this thing, and then no one notices. But then sometimes when you accidentally do something, everyone notices, and you're like, I didn't even try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep like derailing the podcast with like uh, random <laughs> questions that are <laughs> totally off topic. But I I had another kind of random question, totally off topic. What are your um, thoughts on so- poutine? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm lactose intolerant, so I. Yeah. I was watching a YouTube video where you drew uh, Nova from Marvel yeah. Comics, and it was uh, pretty cool. I noticed in the background of one shot, you had like a computer screen that had like a Star Trek looked like a oh, ship yeah. from a video game or something. And then on the on your shelf, you had a whole nice uh, collection of some figures, and I think there was a Captain Kirk up there. So mm-hmm. I was curious, what, what was your uh, favorite incarnation of Star Trek? Are you a Next Generation guy or a Voyager, or, or what, what did you like? Dude, I watched them all. I watched them all. But I, it's, it's interesting because I, uh, I always say I'm a Voyager fan, uh, but oh, I nice. actually think DS9 had better writing. I just like Voyager a lot 
because of a few certain dynamics, but it doesn't like you know we all have things we like. But I, I'm so engrossed into Star Trek that I read the novels too. So I'm reading oh, wow. like a ton oh. right now. Like the a lot of things I'm consuming as as a thing is because uh, uh, I was really curious about how you know the rise of the Federation and when the Star Trek Enterprise started this line of Rise of the Federation books, I, I was like, oh, I got to read this. I had to find out how how this came <laughs> to be, and then so that's what I've been reading a lot. So that's what I mean by saying I like I, lo- I love them all. Like I I'm so hungry for that kind of thing that that I I, I like. Every every one of them. Voyager's the only awesome ship life. that could land on a planet too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I always liked that yeah, idea my, my, about oh. Voyager that they were out another quadrant all on their own, and they could say they were from the Federation and really didn't mean anything. Mean anything. Yeah. So yeah. how how was this Starfleet going to operate as their as they always thought they had to and. Everything like they're all the prime directive and all that stuff is just thrown out the window, you know, practically. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. The actually first like celebrity comic book person I ever met was like when I was in middle school and I met Peter David and he signed one of my uh, Star Trek (laughs) novels and it it was him and uh, Michael Jan Freeman and they were signing Star Trek novels so that was like my first like oh my gosh I met someone famous (laughs) and then uh, I, I always loved the the Star Trek novels too, because I have dyslexia. So it's hard sometimes for me with the characters to keep like all the characters straight and everything. And I could read the Star Trek novels and I'm, I already knew half the characters from the show. So it was always, mm-hmm. always great. So yeah, that's awesome that you like the novels too. Yeah. Well, I haven't read a lot of that. So I don't know. I know we're going off in a tangent, but I, I really started reading it after, you know, like I, I watched the mall, like probably maybe for the fifth time. And I was like, well, I just kind of need something new. <laughs> yeah. And then, I read up that they they had started to do a you know um, a line of in continuity books post DS Nine uh, finale, and so that really intrigued me about oh this is not just standalone stories this has, is kind of like the series continued in the novel so I really jumped on board with that but I missed a lot so I have to kind of the good thing about digital is that yeah, like you can find the, the old ones a lot easier something i wanted to ask and talk about being all over the place i, I love i love shows like this where we just kind of get to a chance to talk mm-hmm. but i'm gonna go back to oh, sure, sure, red sure. robin again <laughs> uh more in we were talking you know earlier about you know being in and out of comics sometimes that i started getting back into comics full full blown once i heard this idea of you know this flashpoint thing that was going to take place and could be a uh, a reboot of a universe or whatever and i thought man i've it's been almost a year since i was reading i was uh, i'm a drummer so i was playing in different bands and so money was going into drum kits and things like that so i thought i need to you know get back to reading so i was feverishly trying to catch catch back up at what point during during your run did you know that there was going to be this new event was it the writing on the wall that i got to put all my, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into this last, these last few issues. Did you know they were going to be the last, or were you thinking, all right, this is, this is going to be cool. We're going in this next adventure. I was just kind of wondering as the new 52 was being formulated, like how, how far in advance did you guys know that, all right, 
26 is it and that's that's done so just wonder if you could speak on that a little I, bit i basically knew around issue 22 23 that we were ending it uh yeah i that was a i i'd be honest with you that that was a pretty kind of a hard time for me because uh there's a you know a few aspects to that time period but like getting that phone call was pretty rough and so we wanted to like finish it we wanted to finish it as as good as we could wrap me and fabian you know fabian did as such a great job trying to give the characters a, a proper ending you know we uh he had planned for seriously another two years worth of stories and he wanted to set the seeds wow. so when we knew that we were being um canceled for the new 52 he uh you know he he was like you know what i just want to wrap this up i want to wrap try to wrap up all the threads and try to you know make it all finish and give the fans an ending so which was awesome of him to do and and so we tried to cram the last two two or so issues to <laughs> uh, uh you know to just give a proper ending even if even if um some of the things were a little bit rushed but you know what are you going to do right what can you right. do so yeah i just wanted to say i really appreciate that about red robin and how you guys ended so strong there's been so many titles that i've read and really enjoyed and they had a great you know artist and uh writer team and then the last few issues just fizzle out and there's like fill-ins and it just kind of ends with a whimper not a bang and red yeah. robin and I, I know i heard um Brian Q. Miller talk about his Batgirl run had kind of a similar ending mm. due to the New 52, and they kind of ended strong as well. So I always felt like Tim Drake kind of got the short end of the stick because his his Robin run was successful and ended not because people weren't buying the book, but because they, they made this change to Red Robin and, and Damian Wayne. And then the Red Robin book was strong and people loved it, but it got <laughs> changed due to uh, the... Um, the new 52 uh, mm-hmm. and then i wonder what did you think of the uh the new 52 tim drake costume when you when you first saw it well you know i when i uh, as i say this I, i'm going to say it like as best as i can but you know i was pretty i was pretty upset in it, kind of how it all happened and i never really got a chance to um you know jump back on uh to Tim Drake with the new 52. So, uh, like any breakup, I had to stay away from the character for <laughs> a little while. Right. Um, because you know, it, yeah, it's hard because it's personal, you know, you, 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 it's mm-hmm. something that, that meant so much to you for time. And, uh, it kind of ended like any breakup, like I said. Um, so I, I, I read, I think the first couple issues of teen Titans, uh, I read, uh, Batman and, um, I just kind of didn't have any opinion on it. I, I just kind of said, you know what? It's not mine anymore. And I kind of just left it at that. Uh, I know it might sound, <laughs> you know, a bit petty, but I, I had to do that no, for I my own it. sake. You know, um, I had to move on and I had to. So I, you know, the costume itself, I don't really have much of an opinion, though I'm not, I'm, I don't really understand how the wings work per se, but. <laughs> uh, you know, it's yeah, neither do look. we. <laughs> yeah, it's a different look, sure. Um, but uh, you know, like um, I think they they did 
they did a fine job with with it for what it what they wanted from for what you know DC wanted out of the characters and um, yeah that's that's it and I had to I had to basically walk away from that point and um, never again has I have I drawn Tim Drake <laughs> for DC so that 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 sounds sad but and it, it kind of is but mm. you know like I never got a chance to to, to you know do it again so well that was, i get the that was I a was very saying. diplomatic <laughs> answer, yeah. I, I think yeah. Yeah. yeah i was just gonna say if i get the uh chance once you know conventions become a thing again and you're around the area i've got a blank 60th anniversary cover that <laughs> maybe some way we can uh, get a tim drake on there sure. i i did want to talk about issue nine something you brought up right before we started recording was that I'm all about shipping Tim and Cass, uh-huh. Tim, Tim and Stephanie rather. Mm-hmm. But if there's somebody else people like to ship uh, Tim with, maybe I like to call it bro shipping, is Connor. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think there's a moment on Twitter where I'm not scrolling through that I don't see your artwork somewhere of Tim and Connor and some type of a bro hug between one another. Was that like, I think. Nine gets a lot of just in memes, and if if you search anything for Tim Drake uh-huh. or Connor Kent, you see a lot of your work yeah. uh, through. Do you think that was going to probably not be a thing? But are is that something that you're you're happy to see that that's out there? And I've seen different people say, "Hey, I'm at you know Marcus Toe at a convention, and a lot of things that I see that you'll sketch for people is Tim and Connor together." Yeah. Do you have any just uh, thoughts on just how? This like one single issue kind of helped created this this whole other you know relationship that uh, people like to to see Tim with. You know that's that's the funny thing. Like I never it never occurred to me any of this. Like I I am I was specifically super naive about the whole idea. But you know I myself am a hugger, right? I I <laughs> I like hugging people. Um, and then when when that script came across my table, um. You know, you think to yourself, these guys are supposed to be best friends, and they they kind of had moments, uh, you know, leading up to this where their friendship was a bit fractured, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, especially with the with the stuff that happened in the the Jeff Johns Teen Titans, you know, that was that was really pivotal in their relationship. Uh, and I thought to myself, you know, if he hadn't seen him, his basically his best friend in this long, after going through all the things that Tim has gone through, he would jump into his arms. It doesn't matter who it was, right? You just go in for a hug, and um, you know that kind of turned into one thing, and then and then the the thing that actually started it all was um, there is this uh, very 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 kind woman uh that you know came to my table at a convention and asked for loved that scene um asked for uh if they could buy uh, not only that page did i sell her that page i think i ended up selling her that page but she also wanted the um the one where tim hugs uh bruce wayne Right when when he finds uh, out I that he's li- uh, alive as well, so I kind of kind of uh, like all that came together to the commission realm, right? So because people couldn't buy the page, so they were like, "Can you um, draw me a commission of Tim hugging Superboy?" Right, kind of 
a la moment in the book because the page was sold. So that right. kind of started this whole thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, I don't ship anybody. Like, I, I like canon. I just like reading. This is why I love continuity in Star Trek because I just read it. I, I'm very passive about it because <laughs> um, I don't make my own head canons and stuff like that. I just kind of take it in like that. Um, but what I do love is I genuinely love the excitement and passion that other fans have. So when they come to me for commissions, I try to, you know, replicate what they want. So I, I listen to them talk about why they love these characters and why they love them together. And I, I want to take that passion and then put it into the page. It's just the same thing how I like to do when I read a script from a writer. I'll read the script and I will really try to think what does the writer want me want to see, right? And it's not a, mm. necessarily what I want, even in the, the stories I draw, because it's the, the the best the best work comes from teamwork. You got to read what the writer tells you, and then you got to put in what they want and 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 make it look the best that they can. So when I take it into conventions that's why if you ever see me in conventions and someone's talking at my table a lot of times i i let them talk i want to hear why they like these characters and why they do it because um if they get a commission then i can understand what what they want to see right and and that's kind of how that how why my commissions kind of go that route i think I think there's a lot to be said about a like a genuine, sincere expression of true like platonic friendship as well. You don't see that an awful lot in a lot of storytelling, especially comics, because either it's going to be you know romance between characters or like an antagonistic relationship, like two people that care for each other and are best friends, like you said, like just, you know, not, not caring and just hugging each other, especially after, you know, in the case of Tim thinking, well, Connor was dead for a while thinking he'd never see his best friend again. And then all of a sudden there he is just that spontaneous, you know, that that's how anybody would react. Going back to Star Trek, something like that's that were exactly to like when, when Spock thinks he killed Kirk and then when, Kirk shows up alive and he just turns around and says, Jim! (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, that's those those moments and and that's the thing about creating story, right? Because those moments do not have weight unless if it's earned. Because it's earned through the story till you get the Mm -hmm. payoff of those moments. Yeah, this was such a such a great era for comics, too. Like, if you've just been reading this long, gigantic soap opera from we talk about it on the show at a certain point tim just loses everything he loses his father he loses his best friend you know bart ends up you know dying at a certain point and he loses his mentor so when these things fall back in tim's place under the right hands of the writer and artist and this book being one of them you get to draw a couple of those moments of Tim seeing Connor for the first time again. And then the big one that I see that that I use on father's day, you know, I'll I'll take that Bruce and Tim hug and I'll send it to my, send it to my dad. You know, I'm like, I I couldn't find a Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell, Detroit Tigers bro hug, (laughs) but I I can find, you know, Tim and Bruce. And it's just, it, 
it's something like you said, it's when it's earned, it just, it hits the yep. reader in the right way. I think that's, I always call this air like this is my, my golden, me too, golden age of comics. I mean, you go to, you, you know, Superboy was fantastic with Johns and Manipal, and you have the Titans mm. with, uh, with Johns again, and like all that green, uh, hey, let's just say Jeff Johns wrote everything gold at that point, I guess, because Green Lantern <laughs> was wonderful at that time. I never read Green Lantern before then. But when 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 he was on Green Lantern, that was such good, good, good writing. And quietly on Batman, um, sorry, um, yeah. Um, anyway, that era of Batman was so good too because I've never been more interested in Batman from that point either. So there's a lot of there was a lot of good stuff. But are we those old guys now that said, "Well, in my day, this was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah." Back when I was around, <laughs> Tim Drake only had one parent. They weren't in witness protection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it 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 was like a golden age of writing for DC because uh, you had you know Morrison on uh, Batman and Robin, and then you had Paul Dini on Streets of Gotham mm-hmm. and uh, Gotham City Sirens, and you had Jeff Johns. His his Justice Society run. I mean, the characterizations in those are amazing. So yeah, it it was. A, a golden time back in them olden Gotha, days. Gotham the, Central was one of my favorite favorite yeah. books. Gotham Central was one of my favorite favorite books. I could not like it was so. I was so into that that whole thing. Yeah, very cool. That's that's fabulous. Yeah, I wanted to say too on the art hug art, artwork. Your uh, drawings of Crypto the Super Dog. I love Crypto, and I like to collect like covers that have Crypto on it. I love your Crypto in here as well. <laughs> Great you. job on that. Thanks. Uh, dogs are hard. <laughs> dogs are hard. <laughs> but he yeah. looks like a very good boy, yeah. so, you know. <laughs> You'd think he would be. <laughs> and, then, and then to make yeah. the dog flying as well with a cape is, I'm sure, <laughs> not easy as well. <laughs> Actually, easier than yeah. having him running. Anyone flying is easier than them doing anything. Because, I mean, the idea, when whenever you're drawing people, say, standing even, the simplest things of standing is is hard to make look natural because there is a transfer of weight and other things and yeah it's it's all over the place <laughs> and i i had a question from one of our other contributors that wanted me to ask sure. uh seeing stephanie brown in here as spoiler so i did have a question what it was like to, you know to draw uh, the few times that you got a chance to draw a uh, batgirl stephanie brown so that that question's for you ian um it was great. I mean, I, 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 I really do. I, I'm, I'm with you on the. I do like Tim and Steph's dynamic a lot. Um, I think Steph is the kind of, I don't know. She, you know, in her in her history, she was kind of a mess, uh, but still trying yeah. to do her own uh, her best. And Tim was the best, <laughs> uh, and still somehow. You know, doing his worst <laughs> sometimes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, their dynamic is really interesting, and and I I did really like it. And, and like I said, it's um, that era of of, of that group of characters um, were great. It, they were kind of in the middle, kind of where you know uh, Nightwing and Starfire were in at one point when you know Dick left uh, Bruce. Um, and I f- wanted to try to mimic that kind of feeling, you know, that that same kind of era, but in a new, 
Um, so I felt like you know, Tim, Tim and Steph had that, you know, had had those moments, uh, and I'm glad to have been able to, you know, uh, be a part of that that, you know, time in their lives, I guess, in their fictional lives. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, Marcus, uh, just to not pull a Terrence here and keep things completely on brand with DC and the Drake, tell us about Excalibur and your favorite X person to draw. Well, I, I mean, Excalibur was, uh, has been f- phenomenal. It's been great. Uh, it's kind of funny because, again, like I said, life kind of takes you full full circle again. And, uh, you know, I, I got my first Marvel interview with CB and... and um, and Marvel, and uh, you know, I my first editor that I met was part of the X office, and somehow I'm I'm back now after so many years of never working on the X books, uh, and so it was really nice to have, and and you know, ever since uh, Red Robin, I have n- unfortunately never done a run that long, um, and. I when I started with Excalibur, I told my editors Jordan and Annalise and Teeny, the writer, um, that look, I am serious about this book and I want it to go a long time, and I want to be the artist to take it the distance, um, hmm. and hopefully we get that chance. Uh, you know, we're we're going on to I'm working on issue twelve right now, and if we're lucky, we might be able to get to twenty. And uh, if I'm the majority artist of that whole run, I mean that that might be something, you know. Like I, I did, I did twenty issues of Red Robin with one fill-in, and even that fill-in I fought against. I tried to get them to let me just do the book, but um, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's for nowadays twenty issues consistently is is uh not pretty normal. pretty rare yeah <laughs> yeah uh, that, that's impressive to 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 do that like you said nowadays yeah. definitely yeah that was that was a uh trying to make a joke way of asking <laughs> what you're up to lately <laughs> which is excalibur is yeah. part of the uh don of x titles yes. over at marvel so uh if anyone out there is looking for marcus's work these days uh that's where you can find him well yeah, <laughs> yeah. and totally and, and i guess i should do my uh, shameless plug better next time but <laughs> definitely that, that was my that was my next question to, is to ask you know what what's your current projects uh going on and you know where where can people find you if they want to chat with you some well um i'm my current projects obviously is excuse me excalibur for the dawn of x series uh it's going on it was going on twice a month but now i think they're they're uh, shipping it slower for a monthly basis which is great um so that's out in the stands right now and um you can find me on twitter uh marcus toe uh m-a-r-c-u-s-t-o and um i'm on instagram as marcus anthony toe which is my middle name um and yeah you can find me on both of those and i i I post seldomly but if uh and most of the time twitter just ends up me talking about either hockey or star trek so (laughs) but you can which which both are fine yeah yeah well you know we all have to have our fandom outside of what our normal work is right (laughs) that's right yeah, I just want to say it's it was an absolute pleasure to uh, be able to speak to you and um, the the comic book gods with it being Robin's 80th anniversary. Like with us going through the the classic 90s comics, like the Red Robin series is 
way off in the distance before we'll get to cover those books. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing some 80th anniversary shows talking about any Robins. And when I, uh, somebody had alerted me to your tweet about, you know, uh, being absent from the 80th anniversary book. And I sent you a tweet that was like, well, what if we, uh, what if we correct that, <laughs> that oversight and we get you to talk about your time with, uh, Tim Drake. So thank you for that. taking time out of your busy day. I'm sure we all have to run off and go places. No, I don't think any of us are running <laughs> and going. Um, I, I did want to, uh, kind of close out with this, not to, turn anything political or anything but with with being at home and hearing things you know diamond drops the the bombshell about you know not wanting to send comics out so i don't know how much you can say but what what does that do for you as an artist are you still just working as you normally have or has the state of the world changed how how you're working as well well Here's how I see the diamond thing, and and like I don't know much more than you guys know, but what I do know is that, um, you know, every state is different, and and every a lot of states and provinces up in Canada are, are you know shutting down all essential services, and but that mm-hmm. also means you know warehouses and stuff you're not allowed to open, you're not allowed to have these things open. So if if shipments are coming in and no one's shipping any comics out, there's nowhere to put them. So really, it's uh, the way I see it is just Diamond's doing the smart thing, which is holding everything until he can they can start shipping things out again. You know, reopening their warehouses and things like that. And um, if there's no one there to take in the shipments too, <laughs> there's not right. You know, where are they going to go? So, and there's probably so much. Uh, there's a lot of. You know the the truckers are all being taxed right now, sh- shipping stuff back and forth, the essential things. So, um, right, I see this as generally temporary. The unfortunate part is that temporary is not good enough for a lot of comic book stores who can't, um, you know, can't sustain not making any money for two weeks, let alone what might end up being a few months. Um, so, you know, all we can try to do is support our local comic book stores by, if they have online stores or, or, or anything like that. Um, a lot of, a lot of people still are shipping out books, uh, which is good. Um, for me, um, we were lucky to get a, an email from Marvel directly, uh, saying that all current projects are still a go. Um, so we're we're still mm. working um, to create stuff. Uh, the only question mark that I have that I don't have the answer to, and is what what will the how will this change the landscape of comics? Will this change the way we distribute comics? Will the we this change the way we we you know um, read comics and get our comics? Um, and that's something that we will have to wait and see and how the industry uh, figures itself out. Well, this is a good spot to put a pin in it. Thank you very much, sir, for uh, for doing this today. It really means a lot to the uh, to the three of us. No, it means a lot to me too, and I really do appreciate it. And you know, like I, I, I've you know what? I've been super lucky to have people still like my work on you know Red Robin after all these years. It's 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 pretty amazing, and I I'm really lucky. So, on the behalf of Terrence J. And our special guest, Marcus Toe, I'm Rob, and you've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Give to me, bleed. All the love that's like-